Today I want to I deal with, uh, you know, I want to believe, but I don't know where to start or where do I start. And uh, maybe, maybe you're a believer, maybe you're somebody, uh, somebody that maybe you, you've just been going through something and then so you just have these questions and there's just things you never think you'll get over. Uh, or maybe, maybe you're, you're not a believer, you're somebody who's kind of on the fence and you're not so sure about this whole, whole uh, religion Jesus thing. And if that's you too, maybe, maybe, maybe you have some questions and things you're like, I'll never, I don't know that I'll ever be able to completely reconcile those. I'm not sure that I'll ever be able to fully get all that. And so today, you know, maybe it just feels like, where do I even begin? Where do I even start at? And so that's kind of where I want to start at today. And uh, again, if, if you haven't already, go back and listen on the podcast. If you go to the Church 2011 website, you can find the podcast there and, uh, and listen to the week, two weeks before this. And uh, Pastor really t- talked about a lot of things that maybe you have questions about and sets that up really well. So, so go back and do that. But another thing that you can also do is go and read the church blog. If you, if you follow us on social media, you've noticed we've been posting mostly on Thursdays. We post a new blog post uh, every week. Uh, this week, we got something really special coming from Jamie, leads worship here. Uh, you know her. She's doing something really, if you're into worship, you're really going to like this. So please check that out. Uh, check that out this week. And then, uh, but also this past week, pastor shared a thought in, in a blog post, uh, really just talking about, are we asking the right questions? When we ask a question uh, about belief, are we even posing the right questions? So that's something that's really going to be helpful for you if you're dealing with a lot of questions. Please go, li- go read that. Go, go find that on social media or just go to the church2011.com and scroll down into the blog and click there and you'll see it. Um, but also a few weeks ago, I shared uh, a blog post. I wrote one that was about uh, about John the Baptist. And so, if you read that, I don't want anybody feeling like you're like you know. If, if you read it, I don't want you to feel like you're having like a deja vu you know episode or anything. Uh, so I was just letting you know that this. And we kind of use that as a jump jumping off point here in a second. But if you haven't read it, I want to keep you up to speed and kind of kind of kind of kind of walk with you there. Uh, John the Baptist. If, if you probably know that name, if you know anything about the Bible, especially if you know the story of Jesus, then you know the name John the Baptist, right? Uh, he's, if you've ever seen like a church Easter play or a, or a movie about Jesus' life, then you've probably seen something about him. He, he's not the kind of guy that kept his faith, you know, faith, you know, close to him. He wasn't like a quiet, you know, the kind of guy that wasn't going to get up in your face. He was the guy that got up in your face, okay? He was the guy that was kind of far off, far off and kind of weird that we would say. Maybe, maybe he would make us, make some of us very uncomfortable. Uh, but he, he, he lived in the wilderness. He, he wore animal skins. He, he preached to just whoever, he would, whoever would listen. He ate uh, locust. I mean, he was, he was a weird dude, right? And he, he baptized people in, in the river. And that was kind of his thing. He just finds John the Baptist, right? And so he's a really extreme guy. But the other thing that's kind of important about John is he's the first guy that, that, that kind of points to Jesus, that says, hey, everybody look at Jesus. He's like the guy that already had a bunch of followers and he retweeted Jesus for the first time, you know, and said, everybody go listen to Jesus. He's, he's a smart guy. You should hear what he's saying. And he, he's the first guy. Here's what he says. He says, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is when he first, he sees Jesus 
coming to be baptized, right? Jesus is going to be baptized. And so that's, I don't have time to really go there, but, but if I did, I would remind everyone if, if, that if Jesus got baptized, so we need to be baptized. If you've never been baptized, then what you need to do is you need to get your phone and text baptism to, uh, to 476-2911, and uh, we have baptism service coming up. So please be a part of that if you can be, but I don't have time to do that. So since I don't have time, I'm going to keep going. And, uh, and what, what happens is, is Jesus comes down and is baptized, and here's what happens. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. John the Baptist is sitting right there and he gets to see this. I mean, this is the moment that we all pray for, right? This is the moment whenever you have a doubt or you have a question about, about faith or belief or if God even exists, that's what you want, right? You want the heavens to part open and you want God to just speak out of heaven and just, you know, you know, say, hey, Judy, or, you know, what, if your name's not Judy, I hope he doesn't say, say, Judy, we have Judy here, though. This first service, you weren't here, so it didn't make any sense. This service, it makes a little more sense. Um, but anyway, uh, not that much completely, but, but, you know, we want that moment where God speaks to us, and, and we're like, you know, if, if I just had that moment, then, you know, all the doubt would just go away. All that doubt would just, you know, that, that wouldn't be a problem anymore. But the truth is, is that we all have times where we're, we feel like everything is, you know, crystal clear. We all have those moments where everything gets a little foggy. You see, even John the Baptist, like I said, he was the religious guy that kind of got up in your face. And because of that, he got himself thrown in prison. He, he was going to be executed and he was in prison and he began to have some doubts. He began to have some questions. And, and so he, he had some followers, some disciples that came, I guess, to see him there in prison. He said, hey, go talk to Jesus. Let me, let, me, let me read this to you. John the Baptist, who was in prison, sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we look for someone else? So he goes from, from look, here's this, the Lamb of God that's going to take away the sin of the world to, is this, is this the guy? Is this the guy? The he goes from the voice speaking out of heaven to, is, is this real? John the Baptist, the, the first, you know, quote unquote, he's the first Christian, right? He's the first person that, that, that says, hey, that notices that there's something different about Jesus. He's the first one to point it. And he had doubts. You know, so, so why do we not think that's, that's just, that's not part of what it, what, what we will experience as we follow Christ. We all are going to have, have a questions, you know, let's be real. Can we do that? We all have doubts. We all have, uh, at times where we, where we have questions, where we, where we, we go through things that don't seem to make sense. And we want to just ask why. There's, all, there's always times where we're going through, we're, we're, we're somewhere and we, we, we hear something and we, we, we find out something and we, we just want to ask God, how did that happen? Or, or is, is this even real? You know, we all have those moments. And, and you know, our world doesn't really appreciate real sometimes. And I, I'm, I'm, we're, we're part of that, you know? We like to, uh, we like to you know, find that, that perfect little corner of our life and take a snapshot of it. And we like to crop out all the things that don't, that don't look nice and pretty that people might judge us for. And we like to slap a pretty, a pretty little filter on it and put it on the internet for everybody to see. I mean, that's what we do. We don't really like real things, but that is exactly who Jesus is. And he likes to deal with the reality. And when we, when we confront reality head on, only then can we make progress. Only then can we fix the problems and fix the things that are going on. And so can we be real today? Can we be real 
You know, John, John the Baptist, he had a group of friends who were there to help him. They were there that when he had a question that they were there to, to say, hey, I don't know. Let me, let me go ask Jesus. Let me go. Let's go find out, you know, and, and only by only by that. Instead of people saying, hey, John, don't don't be don't be a doubter. You know, you know, someone that, that you know, we don't need people that just that put us down or make us feel bad when we have those moments. We people say, hey. Let's, let's go find the answers. I don't know, but let's go. Let's go talk to Jesus. Let's go figure it out. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll find it out. We need that. And, and as a church, and, and I believe that's who we are, but as, as, as the church, as individuals, we need to be those kind of people that, that look for the people who are asking questions, looking for the people who are going through something that, uh, that may cause them to doubt and say, hey, I'm here. You know, if you need me, I'm here. I'll, if you had any questions, I may not know the answer, but, but together, maybe we can find something out. That's who the church needs to be. And that's who Jesus was for, for a lot of people. And if I, if, if we can be real today and kind of just, just say, Hey, you know what? We all have these doubts. We all have these problems sometimes that, that maybe everything isn't, maybe we, we doubt sometimes we think maybe everything isn't what it seems. Could I, could I take a minute and just, and just walk you through a, a time in my life where I kind of questioned a whole lot of things and, uh, just a brief moment. Now, when I was, when I was, uh, uh, a kid, I was raised, you know, apparently in a pastor's home, uh, raised to, you know, to believe the Bible and to go to church every Sunday. I remember vividly the, the moment I was in, at a little league uh, on a Saturday afternoon, and one of the kids said, he, you know, said something about what he was doing the next day and said, Are you not going to church? And he looked at me like I was crazy and was like, You know, I had no idea that, nope, that everybody didn't go to church on Sunday morning. You know, I thought it was something everybody did. You know, maybe I was sheltered, maybe I was, you know, I was, I was six or seven years old. And, you know, I just didn't understand that. And, uh, but later on in life in high school, I had, had so many friends that were, you know, that weren't Christians that, that believe or didn't believe anything. And, uh, this really, uh, one of the, the, you know, uh, the biggest moments came my senior year in high school. Uh, I, my, my family moved around a lot. We lived in Chicago at this point and, uh, I had an art class and this is going to sound like the setup to a joke, but it's not. At this, at this art class, at this table, there was me, an evangelical Christian, two Muslims, uh, a Jewish boy, and an atheist, all at this table. And uh, it, was, it was just the craziest thing. I would love to have, you know, recordings of it. There was Faraz and Saqib. They were, they, were, uh, they were raised by Muslim parents and, and followed Islam. Uh, Oleg, he was of Russian descent, and his parents were, were Jewish. And uh, then, then uh, I think his name was Aaron. He didn't have a a name as memorable as Oleg and Faraz and Saqib, so I can't remember it all these years later. I think it was Aaron. Uh, his parents, I guess they didn't believe anything, and so they kind of passed on nothing to him. So, uh, he, you know, he didn't, he, he, he didn't have any, any kind of faith. He did, he did have a lot of opinions, though. And uh, we, we talked about a lot of those things. And, you know, because it's art class. You know, you sit there, and if you've never taken art class, you just sit there and you draw, and they show you stuff, and then you try to draw it, and it doesn't look anything like whatever they drew. And, but you just sit there and you just, you just talk while you're sitting there drawing. And so we had some crazy conversations and, and just, you know, a lot of things comparing what each other believed and, and learning a lot of things about each other. And there was nothing that was said at that table uh, through that semester of art that, that, you know, really messed me up, that really just like made me question anything, really. And it was only a few years later, it was really, but just looking back on that, I began to look back and see, and, and it was when I was probably 20, 21, uh, I would look back and I, would, I was seeing the, those, those people at the table and I saw, you know, you had, 
you had Faraz's key, their, their, their parents were Muslim and they were raised Muslim, you know, and, and, and Oleg, his parents raised him in Judaism and, and, and Aaron, I think that's his name, I don't know. His, his parents, you know, they raised him that way. And so I was thinking like, what about me? Was, was I that way too? You know, one of us is wrong, you know, all of us can't be right. And what if I'm wrong? You know, what if what, if what I believe isn't wrong? isn't true. You know, so I wanted, I was like, I want to know, and I don't want to just have this hand me down religion. I want, I want it to be real. If it's going to be real, if it's not, then, then I don't, then we don't need it anyway. And so, so I began to question things and I began to, to look at things. And, and, uh, I remember, I, I remember that back at that time, that was about a year or so after two years after, uh, the Da Vinci code book came out and everybody was like, you know, talking about it all the time. And there was, you know, a special every other weekend on the history channel or whatever about, you know, you know, lost books of the Bible or whatever. And so I was like, you know, trying to figure all that out is, you know, is the Bible reliable? Is it real? You know, we got it all messed up. And, and, uh, I, I remember like, uh, reading things, going to, going to places on the internet. And it was in the olden days where it was, you know, still like, I think, I don't know, it was, it wasn't dial up, but it was whatever came next. It was a little bit better than dial up and, but it was still really slow. And I just remember reading, reading things about, you know, the origins of life and, and what scientists were kind of trying to figure out, uh, and th- theories they were coming up with. And I just remember having all these questions. I remember I was so happy that I had, I had people around me that I could talk to. You know, I talked to my parents about it. I know they probably, probably didn't know that I was really where I was at at that point. Uh, but, but I talked to them about it. I remember they, they were always very, very, you know, they always helping me. Uh, and then I had people at church and, and, uh, people that I worked with that I worked at a Christian bookstore and most of my coworkers, you know, <laughs> Christians. And so I was able to talk to them some, and I just remember being so glad I had people around me that didn't judge me. that didn't just shut me down and, and make me feel bad because, because I was having these questions. They really helped me. And I, you know, I was, you know, what if, what if we're wrong? What if, what if all this is just what we want to believe or what we've always been taught? And I was so glad to have people, people around me. And so, so I, that's why I know that that is so necessary for people, that we need the places where people can do that. But but I, rem- I don't remember who said it to me, but I remember someone said to me say, in one of my conversations, I think it was a coworker from work, uh, I think she said to me, say, said, hey, Brent, I think what it is, you know, I think you're just too far off in the weeds. You're, you're just out there and you're worrying about all this stuff out there, but, but why don't you just go back to Jesus? Why don't you just start with Jesus? If it, but, and, and I was like, that's just so simple and that's so silly. Like, like that, you know, I kind of waved it off at first, but as I got to thinking about it, you know what? That's exactly what I needed to do because I began thinking about it, that if Jesus isn't legit, if he's not who he says he is, then none of the rest matters really, right? Nothing else that we talk about. I mean, why does it matter uh, if any of these questions, if we find answers or not? If Jesus isn't, isn't who he says he is, then it doesn't matter. And so I began to just look at Jesus and I began to look at who he was. And so the way I did that is I went to, to the Bible and I didn't do anything special. I just went to the Gospels and I knew Matthew was first. And so I started reading Matthew. And, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to look at Jesus's life and here's what I came up with. I came up with that, uh, that first that, that Jesus, Jesus taught people to love each other, not just love people, but to love your enemies, love people that don't love you back. That's not going to help you back, help you in any way. Forgive people and forgive them and forgive them and forgive them and just keep on forgiving. Uh, to put other people first, to put other people ahead of what you want in life and try to help other people before you help yourself. Give everything you can to those in need. Just give until it hurts. 
And uh, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't get, don't get too stuck on yourself. And these are the things that I began reading that. And I began thinking like, like man, you know, if, if everybody did that, if everybody just, just tried to live like that, how much better would the world be? I mean, the world would be so much better. So I just began thinking, thinking that, you know what? The way Jesus taught us to live, the way Jesus lived, it's the best way to live. And even if nothing else in the Bible were true, I began to, began to, to I just solidified that, that, that what, the way Jesus taught us to live is the best way to live. And not just that, but that's the way I want to live, you know? I'm not, I wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect now by no stretch of the imagination. But when I see that and I read the, I read the words of Jesus, I say, you know what? That's how I want to live. I want to live to serve other people, to love other people. You know, I want to think about other people first and God's still working on me and helping me through those things. But, but you know what? That's, if we all did that, if we all did that, think about how much better the world would be. And I was thinking that, that is something uh, that I really, really want to do. And so, so I, I kept on, kept on reading, but, but another friend of mine, he, he let, he told me that I needed to read C.S. Lewis. And if you know the name C.S. Lewis, it's probably, uh, from the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, the Jesus lion, uh, thing, lion noose in the wardrobe. And so I was like, okay, uh, the, how's that going to help? Because, you know, I read that when I was 12. Uh, but I, I you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know, uh, back then, I don't think I knew that, that, that C.S. Lewis, he had started life and spent most of his life. Well, I believe he was raised in a church, but after a while he, he became a diehard atheist. I mean, he was a college professor and uh, that's, I mean, that's what, you know, he was an atheist college professor and he had friends that, that, that were Christians. He would, you know, debate with them and talk with them, but slowly he began asking questions and he began, began to, to try to look for what the truth was. And he, he came to, to believe that Jesus was that truth. And he began to follow Jesus. And because of that, he, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, the children's books about Jesus. But he also began to write apologetics, which is, you know, defense of the faith. And so, you know, if, if you're only familiar with the, G, with, with, uh, the Jesus line, with Aslan, uh, then you maybe need to read the rest, rest of it. And I just began to read things that he wrote. And I began to read, uh, read Mere Christianity. And uh, there was one spot in particular where I was reading, it was pretty early on in the book, uh, I think the third or fourth chapter, uh, where he begins to talk about Jesus. And I remember just how, I remember clearly exactly where I was. And I remember my, the paperback copy I had in my hand. And I remember reading this. And it may be something, it's something I've seen all over the place since then. I've seen it in many places. I guess with Facebook, you see all kinds of things everywhere now. But, uh, but at that point, you know, I'd never, I'd never heard it like this. And, and for me, it kind of, it was kind of just affirming and scary all at once. Let me, let me read this to you, what I, what I read. It's, it's a little lengthy, but a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his, his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. And even, I mean, even now, I mean, that's, those are, those are those, I remember that day just scared. I remember, I remember taking a pencil and, and, and out, underlining all, the word, all that, that paragraph in my paperback copy. And like, this is it, this is what I need to hear. But I remember just feeling this, this sense of, you know, it, it was kind of scary, but it was kind of, you know, affirming at the same time. And, and I think the reason it's scary, not just to people who don't believe or just people who are on the fence or people who are kind of trying to figure out Jesus, but to us, to anybody, is because if Jesus is who he says he is, 
That just doesn't mean, okay, that's true. That means that I have to live differently, right? That means that I need to follow him. If the way that he lived is the best way to live, and he is the son of God, then I need to, fo- I need to do something about it. And that's a challenge to us, not just, not just figuratively, but it means that every day we need to be living that out. We need to be trying to live more like him. And so that's a scary thought. Um, but, but, but I find that, 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 that starting with Jesus, that focusing on Jesus helps a whole lot because, because when you focus on Jesus and, you, and you, you start with him, what happens is the questions, to me at least, they seem, the big questions seem to not seem so big anymore. And I don't know if that's, that's just because that we, we start framing the questions right, like uh, Pastor's Blocks uh, talked about this week. Or, you know, we begin thinking, rethinking our questions. Or I don't know if it's just that, that when you think about Jesus and you kind of settle that, then other things kind of realign. And I don't, and, but I know that some of it is that he helps us through some of the things that maybe we have problems with, that he helps us through those, those times of doubt. And, and let me explain that to you, because I think a lot of times we think that what you have is you either have faith or you have doubt. Like, you know, it's two things. It's one or the other. You either have one or the other. You have a lot of faith or you have doubt. And the thing is, is that's not how it works. Faith isn't the opposite of doubt. Faith overcomes doubt. Uh, you, you know, just like you can't be brave about something that doesn't scare you a little bit, you know? If it's nothing to be feared, then, then you can't be brave. You're not being brave. Same way, if, if it's, there's nothing to doubt, then you, there's nothing about it that's faith. And, and it's just like a, like a, a ditch or a ravine. If you, if, if you build a bridge over it, that doesn't mean that the, 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 the ravine is gone. That doesn't mean that the, the ditch is gone, but it means that you can just get over it. That means that you, can, you don't have to worry about it anymore, that it's still there. You know it's there, but you don't have to think about it, and you can move forward. You can keep going. You can keep growing. And that's, that's what faith does. Is faith, faith says, you know what? I don't know the answer, but I'm okay with that. And I accept that. And that's, we live by faith. You know, we live by faith. That's, that's what we're, we're meant to do. And that's just one of the small ways that Jesus, Jesus changes the way we approach those big questions in our life. But if I could, I, I, I don't want to just glaze over big questions. I would like to kind of show you just for a second how, how Jesus answers those questions for us sometimes. And, and sometimes how, how I've Found, found answers to that question. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think that I'm going to answer these huge questions that, that uh, philosophers and whoever has been, been debating for hundreds of years. I, I just, I, I just want to just share with you how I get through it and uh, how I believe Jesus helped me if I could for just a second. And I know one of those big questions is, you know, I think it's kind of the question on a lot of people's minds is, well, if God is God, why doesn't he just show himself, you know? Why is he like playing some kind of cosmic game of hide and seek with us? You know, is, does he think he's, he's Waldo? I mean, have we, got to, have we really got to search for him like this? Why doesn't he just, boom, show himself? And I remember uh, a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who uh, was having some doubts about his, his faith and gone through a long period of, of doubt. And this was when he was kind of coming back and he was, he was saying, you know what? I, I was, he was starting to try to put things together. And he said to me, uh, he, he said, well, Brent, the thing I don't understand is just, if God's God, why doesn't he just show himself? And I said, well, I don't know where it came from. I, I, know, I just feel like it was God. Help me out. He said, well, well it, it, hasn't he already shown himself? Hasn't he already shown? I mean, isn't that who Jesus is? If we believe Jesus is who he says he is, then that means that we've already, we've already seen who God is. We've already seen that. God's already shown himself to us. And maybe, maybe that's, you know, that's, that's not what we mean when we ask that question, but how can we 
dictate what that looks like when, when, a, when an all-powerful God you know, comes, comes in contact with our world? How, how, can we, how can we expect to kind of to, to decide how that's going to look? You know, it, it's, it's, up, it's up to us to, to, to have faith that, that what Jesus said, if Jesus is who he says he is, then, then we've already seen God. We've already, we've already, he's already shown himself to us. And so, so we've got to decide how we're going to react to that. Uh, another thing that I think, you know, is, I've, uh, I guess, especially back then was one of the biggest questions to me, which is like, man, is the Bible reliable? Cause I mean, I know it's this, you know, it's all these books that were put together over such a long period of time. How do we know that what we have is the real thing? And, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not an expert on how the Bible was put together. I'm not, but uh, luckily there's YouTube. And uh, I found a great video uh, just a few months ago uh, uh, about, about this subject, about where the Bible came from. If, you follow, if, you, if you're following along with the Bible Project, watching the videos, uh, there's a guy on there named Tim Mackey. Tim Mackey's the gray-headed guy that's part of the Bible, Bible Project. I think he's premature gray. It's, it's, it's a good look, uh, like a Richard Gere thing. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's a different conversation for a different day. Uh, but, uh, he, he did a talk more, think more like a lecture, uh, not a sermon, uh, at a church a few months ago and they did like a live thing, but they did the whole thing. It's about two hours long and he talks about how the whole Bible came together, but I've linked the spot where I feel like it's the most helpful. And so if, if you, if you later on this week, don't do it right now. Okay. Uh, cause you know, Everybody can't listen to it right now. Either you have this volume down. It's not, not, not really good for you right now. But later on this week, go back and, and listen. Listen, and uh, there's a spot there. And if you want to listen to that, that five, ten minutes or so right there, if this is something that you have questions about, it's a perfect place for you to kind of start. And if you like what you hear in that ten minutes, go back to the beginning and listen to the whole thing. Uh, and if, you, if, you, you know, if you're interested and you have the time, you know, it's a really good resource for you. Uh, but... But one of the things I learned listening to is, you know, I always think about the Bible's written about these things that happened a long time ago. But a lot of the things in the New Testament, especially, were written within just just a few a few years of, of people of what when it happened. Uh, the the earliest New Testament book uh, written and where Paul, you know, clearly calls out that Jesus is the Son of God and he, he was resurrected from the dead is it was written only sixteen or seventeen years after Jesus died. I mean, that's, that's not long enough to, you know, for the story to have grown out of proportion or for people to have died, everybody to have died who knew Jesus to say, no, that's, that's crazy talk. Uh, you know, th- this was, this was something that he was writing that people were there to be able to say, yes, that's that he was writing to people that knew Jesus. So, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that, uh, that, 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 you know, that we had to, you had to think about. That it's not just something that, that was written and written centuries later or something like that. And the other thing is, sometimes we think that, like, these controversial things are put into the Bible, you know? Like, like maybe the, th- the, the whole resurrection from the dead of Jesus or maybe the fact that he said that he was the Son of God. I mean, maybe those things were added later, you know? That's kind of a common thought. And maybe they took, it, they took out some things and added the, the things that kind of hyped it up a little bit, made it a little more controversial. But here's the thing is that people back then, uh, gave their lives. The, the apostles and some of the early church gave their lives for these beliefs. If it wasn't controversial, then they would, nobody, there wouldn't be martyrs, you know? 
that's where they came from. That's, that's why. It's because they believed these things and because they wrote these things and because this is what the early church believed is that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and he was the King of kings and that he, would, he, would, he, would, uh, he, raised, he was raised from the dead and that he was on the throne. And that's, that, that's the kind of thing that's, that, you know, it's got to be something that's worth killing someone over. And if you take out all the controversial things, then there's really nothing there and there's nothing worth spreading. There's nothing worth even having, uh, you know, a, an early church to begin with. And so it makes very little sense to me why that stuff was added later. Uh, but anyway, please go and check out that link. And I guess the, other, the big question that I think we all kind of come around to or, or at some point in life is doesn't science uh, disprove the, uh, the existence of God or the Bible or whatever? And here's the thing is, is you can't, philosophy 101 is, you know, you can't prove that something doesn't exist, you know? So even if God doesn't exist, you can't prove it. Uh, so that ends there. But uh, I am no scientist, okay? And I can't, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not. So I'm not going to try to to do anything crazy. But here's the thing is, is there's, again, thank, thank you, internet. I, I found a, a really interesting interview that you can go listen to this week. And it's, it's between two guys and they're talking about uh, the Bible and evolution and creation and how all that fits together or doesn't fit together. Go, go listen to that. If that's something that kind of is in your mind that you want, that you're, you're thinking about or, or, you know, kind of questioning, go listen to that. It's a good jumping off point. And there's something else we can help you with. We'd love to help be able to talk with you and, and find something else. But, but, but personally for me on a personal level, here's what I know is, is that nothing I say in the next five minutes, no matter where you're at on that spectrum of, of, you know, belief on evolution, creation, or whatever, whether you're one or the other or somewhere in the middle, I can't, I can't do anything in the next five minutes that's going to change your mind, right? So I'm not going to try to, but here's what I am going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what kind of help, kind of caused me to pause. And that was, that was when I began to really think about evolution. And I thought, if, even if this is true, okay, hear me. And if it's true that if life came from a single cell organism, okay, if there's a lot more things that you need to create what we have today. And I'm not just talking about like, like oxygen and, and water and all the right circumstances for life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, about just matter. Okay. Just that the fact that, that something exists, that, that something is there and not just that, but there, there's a place, three dimensions, you know, that, that there's, there's a, there is existence. There is something of an area for, for it to, to exist in that, that there is a, there's light and energy and, and, you know, time, you know, time, the very idea that, that this is going to go with me here. Okay. That, that this moment right here is different than this moment right here. Okay. That's time, right? That, that, that we exist inside time. Where did that come from? You know, there's so many things that, that science doesn't or can't. I don't, I don't see it being able to prove or show that. And the more I look at it and the more I dig into it, I say, there's got to be, there had to be at the very, there has to be something outside of our of creation, outside of what we call the universe you know, you know, doing something to make, at the very, very least, there has to be that. And it just, there's too much detail. There's too many things that, 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 that had to line up in order for this to be real. And so I encourage you, if you have something, go, go, go look, listen to that, that little interview. It's about 20 minutes long. Uh, you can do it right down the road this week or whatever. Go do that. And then, uh, finally, I think this is the question that I heard a lot of people back in the day uh, when I was really going through a lot of, a lot of my doubt, uh, one of the things I, I constantly had to defend and constantly had to talk about with people 
And that was, isn't religion the cause for all the evil in the world? You know, isn't all the wars and atrocities that, you know, isn't that all because of religion? And, and what I've come to decide is that religion is a tool. You know, it's just, just like a hammer. Like if you, if you give a hammer to the right person, you know, they can build you something beautiful. But if you give the hammer to someone that don't know what they're doing, okay? If you give a hammer to a stupid person, they're going to do something stupid with it, right? If you give a hammer to, a, to an evil person, they're going to do something evil with it. You know, you give it to a destructive person, they're going to do something destructive with it. If you give it to someone who knows what they're doing, though, they can do something beautiful. And that's what, that's what religion is. It's, it's, a, it's a tool that we use to reach to God, that, 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 that man used to reach God. That's what, that's what religion is. And a lot of times we talk about all the evil things, the bad things that religion has done, but, uh, that, that Christianity has done. But uh, let me real quick, I have a link on the on the uh, sermon notes that, that will go to a, a page where there's a lot more than this, but I just want to run through a few things real quick that Christianity has, good things that Christianity has produced in our culture. And we talk about the bad things and some of the bad things that maybe came out of Christianity or, or were, you know, kind of, kind of okayed by Christianity. Because, you know, slavery, one of the worst things, was ended by Christians, by, I mean, because of William Wilberforce in England, uh, he shut down the slave trade because, because of that, because, because there were Christians that said, you know what, we're all created in God's image. Because of that idea, that's, that's what, what brought it down. Uh, Christians were also a big part of the civil rights movement. When you think about people like Dr. Martin Luther King, he was a, uh, he was a, uh, a preacher. So, I mean, you know, there's so many people involved in the civil rights movement that were Christians. Uh, human rights in general, where do human rights come from? I mean, that idea, it comes, it's a Judeo-Christian value kind of thing. We don't think about that in the Western culture, but it really is that we're all created in the image of God, that we're all, you know, we're, we're all, uh, we all deserve the chance to life. Uh, that, that comes from Western civilization, from, from Judeo-Christian values. In fact, Karl Marx uh, rejected the idea of human rights based on the fact that he thought, he said it was just something that Christians made up, that, uh, that, that we made up. So, and then the reform and the treatment of women, children, prisoners, laborers, uh, that was all done by, uh, that was all started uh, with, essentially with Christians. The first hospitals, orphanages, libraries, and universities were all begun by churches. Uh, science flourishes in the Western in Western civilization. Why? Because Christians uh, aren't threatened by the answers. Uh, you know, we 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 believe that you were given we were given dominion over the earth, and, and God wants us to to you know find out what, how things work, and we're allowed to do those things. And and yes, there's some there's some extreme examples of of contrary things, but but in, in essentially. The, the heart of it, what, what we do as Christians, is we believe that, we, that God, has, God has set laws in motion and we can figure those out, you know? And so that's why you see technology and, and so much science growth in Western culture because of uh, the attitude of the church. Um, Christianity is the largest provider of health care in the world. There's not a second. There's not a close second. Uh, Christians in general are more likely to give to those in need, and they're more charitable in general uh, by a wide margin. Uh, not to mention all the, the organizations that help people that were started by Christians, uh, you know, because when you follow Jesus, you love people and you care people and you care for people and you want to give to those in need. And so, I mean, you have you have Habitat for Humanity, uh, the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, the YMCA, not to, you know, some more recent things like, like A21 or Tom's Shoes or Charity Water, all started by people who, who, were, who were compelled to do something because of their faith. And that, 
that, that, that says that, that you know what, that, that, that if, if you give the tool to the right person, they'll do the right thing with it. And that, that when we follow Jesus and we do those things that were they're up there a minute ago that I, that I was saying that, that I saw in the life of Jesus, uh, if we do those things and we follow those teachings, that we make the world a better place, not a worse place, that we leave it better in better, better shape uh, because we're here. Uh, and we affect the lives of people around us. But here's the big thing is that, that I think is that, that Jesus didn't come to start another religion. You know, the people that he butted heads with the most, religious people, the Pharisees, that's who he butted heads with. He didn't come to, you know, it doesn't say for God so loved the world that he, you know, created Christianity. That's not what it says. It, it, you know, he, he so loved the world that he sent his only son, you know, to, to save us. You know, that's, that's why, that's, that's what it's about. It's not about about you know religion Jesus religion is always about about us trying to reach God Jesus is all about bringing God to us and so so in that case it's 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 not it's not religion sometimes there are religious aspects to it sometimes it can look a lot like religion and sometimes it can be religion but but in the heart of it Jesus was about something more than religion he was about relationship he was about relationships and, uh, and so the very heart of everything, uh, I think it means to follow Jesus, is to have that relationship with Jesus. And, to, to, and it, here's the encouraging thing about that, is if it's about religion, then that means there's certain hoops I've got to jump through, you know, and I'm kind of alone doing that. You know, I've got to do all these things and check off the right boxes, and if I don't, I'm in trouble. But if it's about a relationship, that means that I'm not alone. That means that, that, that if I see things in my life that need to be fixed, that I've got somebody to help me with them. That means that, that there's somebody that loves me and cares about me that's helping me get better. That means that, that, uh, that not just that, that I have, if I have questions that I have him to turn to, but I also have a family of people in this room, you know? And it's much bigger than this too. But I have all these people that I can turn to if I have a question because if I, or if I need something, if I, I'm, God has given us relationships and he's asked us to enter into a relationship with him through Jesus. And that's, that's an encouraging thought to me, that it's all based on this relationship that we have. And when, when we focus on other things, when we begin to focus on, on we get lost in the weeds like I might have done, uh, you know, it, it, it can get, you know, our vision can get a little foggy. But when we focus on Jesus and we start with him, we say, hey, let's figure this out. Because if he's not who he says he is, then none of the rest matters. And if we, we just focus on that, then I believe that we're going to, it's a lot easier to kind of put the pieces together. Every uh, Sunday at the end of service, we like to close down here up front together uh, for a time of uh, prayer and a final song. And so I'd like to invite everybody to join us. If it's your first time, please don't feel intimidated, uh, but you're very welcome to join us up front. We're just going to pray and uh, sing a final song. But... Um, When John the Baptist sent his disciples to, uh, to talk to the, uh, talk to Jesus and ask, say, hey, are you who you say you are? Are you the real deal? Uh, Jesus kind of answers them. And then he kind of sends the disciple, those, the, the, uh, John's disciples back to go talk to John. And then he just keeps on talking. He just keeps talking the rest of the chapter, uh, for the rest of Matthew 11. And he just, he just keeps going. And, uh, but he closes there 
at the end with a prayer. And I wanted to share that prayer with you before we go any further. Uh, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do this way. Now, we read that and we think, okay, what that means is if we're going to follow Jesus, then we've got to turn our brains off. You know, we've got to not think. And uh, that's not what that says. And actually, that's the opposite of what that says. You know, it's not, not, that, not that we've, we, we, it's, it, he's not saying that, that it's about stupid people and smart people or people who know a lot, people who don't. He's not saying that the childlike are, are, are stupid. He's, that's not what he's saying. Jesus is not saying children are stupid. That's not something you need to tweet or put on a t-shirt, okay? He's not saying that. What he's saying is he's saying, you know, what, is, what, what do children do? What does someone with, with a childlike uh, quality about them, what do they do? They, they trust. They, they, they ask questions. They, they're inquisitive. They know they don't know everything. They have just this sense of awe about them, you know, just, uh, just wonder at the smallest, simplest things. And that's what he's saying is if, if, you, if you have that heart about you and you, you have not a closed mind but an open mind, an open mind to say, say God, whatever you want, you know, whatever you want to see happen, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to you, God. Not someone who has it all figured out, who thinks they know everything. That's, that, someone with an open mind is someone who, who God can uh, begin to, to shape and to, to change and to help you. Uh, only when we do that can we. So I want to pray a prayer real quick, and then we're going to say one more thing. But I want to pray a prayer real quick that all of us, that we would have, a open, we would have an open mind to what God wants to do in our lives. Uh, if, if that makes you uncomfortable, if, you don't, if you, you're not even sure if God exists or not, uh, just, I should ask you to pray, that, pray this prayer with me. And uh, just, just, man, for a week, for just a week, I challenge you, just, just live like he does exist for one week. Just live like Jesus is who he said he was, just, just for one week, and just see if that, how that changes things and focus on him. And, and I know, I believe that, that it will change everything. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for all you done, do for us. Jesus, I just, I thank you for uh, being an example to us, for coming and for giving us a, a chance to be in a relationship with you. I thank you for all the great many things that, that, that you've, done, you've done for us individually, God, that we don't even know about. But God, I pray that right now you would begin to open our minds and open our, let us, if we've held back in any way, if we've, 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 we've acted like we know everything in any area of our life, God, I pray that we would, we would just be open to whatever you want, God, that we would approach you with a sense of wonder, Lord, that we would, we would approach you with, with, a, with a, a heart full of faith and trust and, and whatever, whatever you want, God. And I pray that we could live more like you, Jesus. We know that the way you lived is the best way to live, Lord. We just pray that we could do that in some small way. I pray that you would help us live more like you and to, to, to see other people like you see other people. God, I know the world would be different if we do. Thank you, God, for all the great things you do for us and all the great things you're going to do for us and all the, the great things you've done for us. I pray that in everything we do, your glory is revealed. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I didn't want to just leave it right there. I wanted to just add one more thing, and I don't think Jesus wanted it to end right there either because he added one more thing after he prayed the prayer. And it's kind of a call. It's just kind of an open invitation. And maybe what we talked about today, maybe it wasn't exactly where you're at. 
But you know what? If you have something going on in your life, it's still important. If there's still something that you need, then, it's, then, then please come here and pray. The, the prayer team is here for a reason. Can we be real this morning? And if there's something, don't be worried about what someone else is going to think. Don't, or, you know, whatever it is. If it's small, if it's big, it doesn't matter. Just come. Let, let me read this, this call to you. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. If there's anything you need today, please don't hold back. Prayer team's here.